When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome back to the Women's Football Digest. Um, We're finally here. My name is Natasha Henry and England will be starting their World Cup campaign tomorrow. Back again are Jack Lacey Hatton, who is our man on the ground in Australia. We have Beth Lindock and we have a special guest, um, author, journalist, researcher, Carrie Dunn. How are you, Carrie? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. So we're going to go through the results quickly of the past few days, just so everyone can catch up if they haven't seen the game. So day one was good for the host. New Zealand won 1-0 over Norway. Australia with the same result over the Republic of Ireland. Only two have seen Nigeria and Canada with a goalless draw. Philippines lost 2-0 to Switzerland and Spain beat Costa Rica 3-0. So Jack, I'll start with you. What do you think we've learned over the past, well, two game days from the five games that we've had? Thanks, Natasha. Yeah, I, I, I think probably the main takeaway is that for all the talk, you know, for anyone who's worried about the the tournament expansion, creating a, a more uncompetitive environment has probably been proven wrong because I think the games we've seen so far have all been been pretty close um, certainly the, the two on the opening day were you know were, were very tight and obviously a bit of a surprise result as well with with New Zealand edging out Norway um, and you know Republic of Ireland made things things very very difficult for for Australia last night as well so um, so yeah I think it's hopefully it's going to be going to be pretty competitive Looking at the nil-nil draw between Nigerian calendar Nigeria and Canada, sorry. Do we think the referees, the officials, were thinking about the comments that the Republic Island team were making the other day after that game that they stopped early? I mean, it's you have to wonder, don't you? You have to you have to wonder if that these these referees are thinking too much about about other games that have gone on gone on previously. And I know there's obviously with the the, the new introduction of the the, the voice uh, technology on, on VAR in this tournament. I think there's a further spotlight on the officials, um, but um, you'd like to think that that each game would would be taken on its own its own merit, I suppose. Um, but but I guess we'll we'll have to see as the, the tournament goes on whether officiating becomes a, a big storyline or not. Harry, we saw Spain start with their star player on the bench. Were you surprised? What does this mean? I mean, we d- we did see her on the pitch eventually, but you know, should we be worried that she's not going to maintain her fitness through the through the campaign? I think it was just a quiet start for her. Um, I think it was obviously a game Spain were expected to win and expecting to win and to win comfortably. I think they thought we don't need Alexia for this. We haven't got to push her too far too soon, just in case there are question marks over her fitness. I think it was a a cautious and sensible decision. So Switzerland beating the Philippines 2-0. Was it a result that we expected? Yeah, I think so. I think Switzerland are a bit of a, they're quite a difficult side to predict. You know, they obviously have some, some real quality players in there, the likes of Leo Volti and 
round of back men who obviously scored um, scored today. But yeah, it was a it was an interesting game, and and as Jack said, a lot of the games have been quite closely contested, haven't they? So, um, you know, I think the Philippines are definitely a side that have the potential to cause an upset, but you would probably have, have, have put Switzerland as favourites going into that one. But I think it is really nice to see that competitive. Um, nature in, in so many of the games you know on, on the pod earlier this week we spoke about that that New Zealand and, and Norway game and I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't really give New Zealand much of a chance against against Norway um, but uh, they were they were exceptional you know they defended resolutely and then you know it was a brilliantly worked goal for them so you know it, it's it's great to see that that you know even these sides that maybe their expectations aren't that high going into the tournament that, that they're able to to really you know equip themselves well I think the biggest news of, of the past few days has obviously been Sam Kerr. Jack, what, what's it like being in Australia? I mean, obviously she is a superstar for them. She's a superstar of women's football. I can imagine you. there's a lot of Australian fans out there who are really disappointed not to you know, see her. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's a, that's an understatement. I think that's actually a huge disappointment here. Um, they, It's difficult to say as well because I, I, I believe that, you know, it, it was late in the day for a start that this news came out. She 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 was at the press conference the day before as normal as as captain as you'd expect. She was smiling when she came off the the team bus when when the teams arrived at the stadium yesterday. So so yeah, it was a, a massive shock um, to to everyone I think in the game and, and to the Australian public as well. Like like you say, so so many of the fans I think that even if you're not a, a soccer fan as they say over here. You'll know Sam Kerr's name. She's one of the most famous Australian athletes around, and I mean the thought of her. Hopefully, uh, this this hamstring is a is a minor tear, um, and that we we see her at some point in this tournament because it would be a a, a massive massive shame if uh, if she was to miss out entirely. Um, ho- hopefully that that's not the case, but but yeah, a, a big blow to the host nation um, without a doubt. Harry, I think. Obviously, she didn't play, but the fact that they still won, do you think that will be a benefit for them throughout the tournament in the fact that, okay, our star, our star players on the bench, but we still got a result? Yeah, I think there's always a danger, isn't there, when you've got this kind of superstar on a team that people start to think of you as just that player. And Australia really are, and I think it was, I guess it was beneficial, valuable in kind of a footballing way, if not necessarily a... I okay. guess spectacle and celebrity way that they showed that they can play and they can do all right without Sam Kerr. I think, yeah. I mean, I know that the statement said they're going to review the injury after two games. That's carefully worded, isn't it? It doesn't mean to say she'll be back after two games. That's we're going to have a look, and hopefully, if we get through to the knockout stages, she'll be available. But that, yeah, it makes me think that maybe it's maybe more serious than they're letting on. I mean, Jack, have you heard anything out there? Is that the the general assumption that, you know, we'll assess after two games? To us as journalists, I think we all look at that as we're not expecting her to see her before game four. Um, have you heard anything while you're out there? I mean, nothing nothing beyond sort of the the the, the perhaps to be expected quiet whispers of of maybe this is a, a decision that's been not not perhaps by the, the coach or, or management team of the Australians, but perhaps from a, a higher authority, you know, would would the tournament organisers want sat news of Sam Kerr missing the entire tournament on the eve of the first game? I, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but but nothing really further further concrete. But I think 
just to add to what Carrie said, it's not, we've, we've all been in this game long enough. We know it well enough to know that, yeah, a review after two games doesn't mean this player is definitely going to be fit for the third for the third group game. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But no, de- definitely once once keep our eye on. I think over the coming days. Beth, I know you've been watching the games for us. What else have you noticed over the opening couple of days that might be of interest going forward? I think just the the, the overarching messages is you can't underestimate anyone. I mean, just going back to to that New Zealand game. I mean, it was it was a fairy fairy tale start for them, wasn't it? You know, especially um, in light of the horrendous events that happened in Auckland um, on Thursday morning. So you know, for them to go and and to get that, you know, to get that win. Um, I think it was a record crowd for men's or women's football in New Zealand, um, which was amazing. And, and you know, for, for the captain, for Ali Riley to come out at the end, and it was such a powerful interview that, that she gave after the match. Um, and, you know, was, she spoke so eloquently about what it means to this team and how hard they packed um, to be to be at this tournament and to be to win a game. You know, it's the first ever game they've won at a World Cup. That's an incredible achievement. And to do that on home soil, is amazing and, and I think we'll get a lot of those moments and, and you know unfortunately the build up to this World Cup has been blighted by you know a number of sort of disputes with football federations and and things like that and and you know a lot of these teams have really had to fight to get where they are so the, the emotion and and everything that comes with all of these games and, and winning in these big moments it means that a little bit more because so many of these teams have had to really fight to get to get where they are and and just on the, the record crowds as well it was it was a record crowd for for Australia as well and that bodes really well for for the tournament you know Jack wrote a brilliant piece for the Mirror the other day about you know why this this tournament has the potential to be a real catalyst for for the growth of, of women's football in Australia and I think you know the um both Australia and New Zealand getting record attendances as well and um, you know it's it's great to see that happening and and hopefully those those crowds will continue to be to be consistently strong throughout the throughout the tournament. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think this is the perfect time to chat a bit more with our guest, Carrie Dunn. She's a journalist, author, researcher, women's football champion, um, great person. And thank you for joining us today. Um, Beth mentioned the the disputes that the current women's team have going on with their football associations. And that's obviously something you know a lot about. Can you tell us about the disputes that they were having when we were banned compared to what it is today and the kind of journey women's football's been on? Yeah, it is. I, I saw a quote, I think, from Alex Scott on social media saying you know, female football teams have never had the luxury of just staying quiet and kind of going with the flow. And yeah, it's part of women's football history. Um, the fact that women have always had to fight for the right to play. Um, there's a famous ban from the FA from 1921 onwards in which they declared the game of football quite unsuitable for females and that ban officially lasted for 50 years and it was taken on by most of the world. Uh, women organised themselves, they still played matches, but without that structure, without that international cooperation to organise you know, a proper tournament and that kind of stuff, it stunts the game. And we've only really seen in the past kind of 10 15, 20 years, this kind of global cooperation to start getting properly funded international women's teams. I mean, we, have, we only have to look back as far as 1991 for the first official Women's World Cup, but it wasn't even called the Women's World Cup. It was a championship for women's football sponsored by M&Ms. You know, it wasn't even given the title of World Cup at that point. So we're only going back 
kind of just over 30 years. It might seem like a long time for very young people, but in the history of football, it's it's an absolute drop in the ocean. And it doesn't surprise me that we're still at this point where women are trying to fight for their rights in the game, even at the elite level, because I think there's still this expectation, not just in sport, but I guess in society more broadly, that women are expected to be grateful for whatever they've been given. So the, perhaps the football associations are thinking, you know, we're letting you play international football. We're funding your World Cups. Why aren't you happy with that? And we've seen with the US team's dispute over pay and bonuses. We're seeing now with the Lionesses and the bonuses and the uh, sponsorship commercial agreements and that kind of stuff. You know, there's there's still battles to be fought, e- even now, even with our best teams, even when we think we're nearing kind of equality, we're nearing kind of the top of the game. We're really not. We've still got a long, long way to go. Yeah, I think just to, to follow on from, from what Carrie said there, I think one story that's really jumped out to me this week is that the Mary Epps um, feeling very, very hurt over the fact that Nike actually aren't uh, distributing a replica goalkeeper kit. I mean, that's just absurd. Imagine at the, the Men's World Cup in Qatar, a Jordan Pickford shirt hadn't been for sale. You know, it's it's sort of, it's insulting on two fronts, really. It's it's one, it's partly because she's a woman and they've obviously not deemed it, you know, that lucrative enough, you know, from a business point of view to 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 release this replica shirt. But also, you know, from from a goalkeeping point of view, it's like she said, she said, to, you know, really hurt. It sort of sends this message that that goalkeepers don't matter. And so it's a, it's a bit of a twofold insult. And it'll be interesting to see how Nike respond to this because, you know, Epsis has come out and, and spoken really powerfully about it. So, you know, I think, you know, little things, well, they, they, they sort of seem minor, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but you know, all of those things sort of speak of, of, you know, where the women's game still has to improve going forward. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, a tournament like this, hopefully the biggest of its kind will be a real catalyst for those sort of other sort of minor things and all sort of gather together to make this one big thing, you know, that hopefully they will all start to improve. I think um, there's oftentimes a lot of women's football fans, especially in the newer ones, aren't aware of some of the struggles that women have had. I remember football shirts, now I can get a women's cup football shirt, you know, just the comfort, the style of it, you know, rather than buying a boys large, I think it's something that's always gone through the women's game. But on more positive news, Carrie, how are you enjoying the World Cup so far? What have been your highlights? Do you know what? I love a World Cup, even when it's on the other side of the world, because I love being able to get up in the morning and there's football on the telly. I think that's really great. I haven't got to wait until the evening to get really excited for my football fix. It's there as soon as I wake up. But um, I'm loving the um, the VAR announcements from the referee on the sidelines. That is literally my favourite bit of the whole world at the moment. It's so dramatic. I was wondering this morning, would it be better with like the countdown clock music um, just before she makes her announcement? Or, you know, would that detract from the drama? But loving that. I feel like that's a call for someone on social media to make that for you. Um, it's at Carrie Sparkle. Please send that to her. We'd love to see it. Um, obviously, today is the day before. It's match day minus one. England will start their World Cup campaign against Haiti tomorrow. We're all excited. I presume we're all ready to see who Serena picks. Jack, I know you were at press conference this morning with Millie Bright and Serena. What happened? Well, I mean, 
d- disappointingly, slightly, um, Serena was playing a, a very straight bat, as, as you'd expect, as, as she normally does to, as to team selection. Um, not only were we obviously not not given the team, um, even when one of my colleagues tried to say tried to ask if if Serena had at least let the players know or when she'd be letting the players know the team, she didn't want to reveal that either. Um, so yeah, she was very much in in straight bat mode today. Uh, but the the main positive news is it, all twenty three players trained this morning. Um, they're all available for selection. Obviously, Millie Bright is was the main worry coming into the tournament. Um, and she was alongside Serena, like you say, the presser, and and is is fully available and ready to fit and ready to go tomorrow. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's hard to call. I w- I would suspect that we'll see a, a similar team, perhaps to the the one that um, started against Portugal, certainly in attacking sense. But you you never know. You, she she Serena's always got a way of surprising us as well. Certainly this season. Um, so let, let's let's see. I, one thing I've been saying all week is I think that the Samara's team could could give some clues as to the team throughout the tournament. We know last at the Euros she she didn't change the starting eleven, um, but it'll be interesting to see who has who's who's in from the start and who is given that that role of sort of impact off the bench player because we know how important the likes of Ella Toon, Alessia Russo, Chloe Kelly were to the, the the Euros win last summer. But now potentially those three could all be changing and could be into into starting roles this time around. So so yeah, I think I think the, the team news tomorrow will be, be really interesting either way. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion um after watching this um Spanish game, uh with the pundits were discussing Daly or Russo. Um if everyone could say who they'd pick and why. Harry, I'll come to you first. I think you have to go with Daly. And I love Alessia Russo. I love her, but I think you have to go with Daly to start. Yeah, I would I would agree. I just don't think you can for for all Alessia Russo is is absolutely brilliant. And I think perhaps their overall game is is maybe slightly more well rounded than, than Rachel Daly. I just don't think you can overlook twenty two goals in twenty two games in, in the WSL season. And you know, the the, the great thing is that Serena Beegman has those options, doesn't she? And she has, you know, we, we don't even talk about Bethany England really and, and you know, she's had a, a fantastic goal scoring season for, for Tottenham. So um, yeah, I think I think Rachel Daly will be in from the start, and then Russo will be be entrusted with that sort of super sub role. Yeah, I'd agree, and I I think that it it would probably send a, a good message in a way to Alessia Russo if she was left out. Not not that she's particularly let England down whenever she's been called upon, but I, I agree. I feel like coming off the bench, she could have she could have more of an impact. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it's it's very difficult to leave out a striker who scored. 22 two league goals in 22 games. I mean, that's just insane numbers from from Daly. So yeah, I, I would be surprised um, if if Rachel Daly's not in the starting lineup tomorrow. Well, everyone agreed on that, so that was no point. I agree, Daly as well. Um, yeah, I think Russo's got a lot of tournaments ahead of her, a lot of games ahead of her, and as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't mind if she didn't get loads of minutes at the World Cup before the start of the season. Um, so thinking about England's last few games, obviously they won the Euros. They had that amazing unbeaten run, but they seem they suddenly struggled to get the goals that we used to seeing them get. Um, Beth, how do you think that may have affected them if it has, and what Serena might do to to ensure that doesn't happen again? Yeah, I think it's always difficult, isn't it, when you go into into a major tournament because you don't really know how how much to read into the games building up to it. I mean, especially, you know, uh, obviously it's it's 
three games now without scoring a goal. It was the the Australia defeat, which obviously brought the the thirty game unbeaten run to an end. And um, then there was the friendly on home soil against Portugal, and then there was the behind closed doors friendly against Canada. And I think you know the latter two. I'm not sure you can read too much into them. You know, both of those games, I think players would have just been desperate not to have gotten injured, and I think you know maybe weren't given you know their absolute all. Um, the same against Canada. I think that was probably the case as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't think it's too much of a cause for concern. I think, as I said earlier, you know, that Serena has such a wealth of, of attacking options, doesn't she? And I, I do think, you know, she's, she's got enough in, in the arsenal to be able to, to bring, to bring on, um, some top players as well, even if the starting 11 isn't quite right. But I think, the the issue is, and I, I was chatting to um to Farah Williams um last week, and I think she said like one of the the difficult things is did, will all these players click in time for the tournament? You know, will all these connections? You know, we've got a lot of younger players, inexperienced players, players who haven't necessarily played together in a forward line before. Um, you know, will all of those little sort of connections be in place for for the start of the tournament? And I suppose. You know, the one sort of luxury England have, I guess, is that their group stage is fairly kind, you know, not to, to be disrespectful to any of their opponents, but England should be comfortably beating all of them, really. So, you know, it gives England maybe a chance to to try a few different things out and, and get those combinations clicking um, ahead of the round of 16, which hopefully they will make it through comfortably. Um, but yeah, I think it's not too much of a cause for concern those those goalless you know these those last few games but i think obviously if that were to continue against haiti then that would maybe be you know a little bit of a bit of a nervous moment going further into the tournament yeah i think goalless you know the lack of goals i should say kind of in the run up to the world cup i don't think that will be too much of a worry because you the time to worry is if that's happening during the tournament and i think it's important for us all to also to remember that England had quite a slow start in terms of going into the Euros in the group stage last year. Remember the whole fuss after that first game? Oh, we should have been scoring five or six or seven. Yeah, we should be getting a hat full of goals past everybody. And it's just about getting the job done in the group stage. It's just about getting through to the knockout stages. Then, yeah, absolutely, turn it on. But what's important is just doing enough to win, I guess, in tournament football. And Serena knows how to do that. And so do most of this squad because uh, they're coming back from the, obviously the Euros last year. So I'm still quietly confident. Um, yes, I think there's maybe going to be question marks that inexperience. But having said that, you know Beth Mead came out of all that disappointment that she had around the Olympics to you know done all of Europe last summer. So maybe someone will do the same this time around. Yeah. Um, what can we expect from Haiti? Because they're, they're obviously World Cup debutants. Uh, they think a lot of people know what their game is like. What can you tell us about them? Well, I suppose, I mean, you know, I've not had the chance to watch much of them myself. But what, I, what I have seen, they, they've come through a very difficult qualifying section, which, to be fair, not not a lot of people, I don't think, before would have would have had them down to go through, you know, against the likes of Senegal and, and, and Chile. Um, I, also, I mean... Serena said it earlier, but you know, although they don't have England, don't have as much knowledge on Haiti as they would compared to someone like like Denmark in the next game. Um, they've left absolutely no stone unturned. Every, every player has been analysed, and she she repeated this a couple of times um, earlier today. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're not they're not to be underestimated. That you know, I think Narilla um, Mondesa offers a real threat up front, and and obviously England have got a fairly new look 
defence, you know, a, a back four that potentially hasn't played together uh, before. So so she might fancy her chances. Um, Haiti have also beaten, beaten Mexico 3 0 uh, in the uh, Central American tournament last, last year. That's no mean feat either. So, so yeah, uh, I mean, it's still on paper the easiest of the three games. I think the, the fixtures have fallen in a nice way for England. You've arguably got your weakest opponent first, but then Denmark, who, who are the other strongest team in the group, we, we're playing them before both of us can qualify, if that makes sense. So, so that game won't be a dead rubber. I think that's a nice way to ease into the tournament um so yeah it won't it won't be pushover because like i said earlier i I don't think there are too many teams at this tournament who are going to be pushovers um but but let's let's hope that that england can get the job done fairly comfortably so carrie we've talked about the forward line we know that millie bright's back in defense how are we thinking that midfield that middle of the park area is going to look do you know what i was thinking about this i was trying to kind of predict a team and i just thought I don't want to second guess Serena Beekman. She knows everything. I trust in Serena. I don't even want to predict what she might do because she does stuff that I would never have anticipated and it works. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether anyone else saw the um, coverage on the TV this morning and they were talking about their battle line, who's going to partner Millie Bright. And I think the general consensus is that Alex Greenwood is going to be back there as they're going to ball playing centre-half. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe. But then you could probably also still push Alex Greenwood into into midfield. She could still play wide on the left. That's what she did in 2015. That's something that she's familiar with. I mean, there is. I think one of the interesting things about the England squad is also the versatility. So many of those players can play in so many positions. I mean, obviously Rachel Daly is the, is the obvious one. She's scored 22 goals in 22 games for Villa, but. She's also you know, played in defence. She's also played in midfield. We've seen her do that too. She could probably play in goal if she wanted to. So, you know, I think there's that level of versatility and that not chopping and changing, but that ability to move things around without necessarily making substitution. We have that flexibility of personnel. Um, so, yeah, fundamentally, I'm not quite sure what she's going to come out with tomorrow, particularly, again, in a first game which we should be expected to win in a relatively straightforward fashion. Are they going to do what they did with Alexia and maybe not put the first choice players out and give some of the squad players a bit of a run? I don't really think that's Serena's style from what I know of her, but 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 who knows because we've also had fitness concerns around some players. So fundamentally, I don't know. That was a very long way of saying it. I, f- I think as well that... The- Probably outside of, I would say, Georgia Stanway and Kira Walsh as a, as a midfield pair. I think most people would agree that, that those two pick themselves. Um, you could argue first names on the on the team sheet, but then outside of that, that there's you know, like Harry says, that there's various options that are, that are all of sort of a similar ability. I mean, take, take the the wide positions for example. You know, we've got potentially Lauren James, Chloe Kelly, or Lauren Hebb, Two of those three. I mean, that's that's a Really, really tough call, I think, considering the the season Lauren James has had, the impact she's had on the England team since the turn of the new year. Um, we've we've talked already about the number nine battle. So there's and Serena actually said it at a press conference earlier. She she mentioned that um, she's she didn't say which had been the toughest call to make, but she said there were a number of really really fine calls 
and that, and that, you know, I think she was, she was definitely speaking from the heart. She's been genuine. Um, I think she's had some some really tough decisions to make for for this starting eleven. Uh, but yeah, she's a hard person to predict, as I've said. Yeah, I think I think the most interesting thing will be, you know, as Jack said, will this team that she goes with tomorrow be her team definitively for the tournament? You know, she started all uh, the same starting eleven for all six games at the Euros, obviously. And, you know, w- will it be slightly different this time round? Who knows? I think, you know, going into the Euros, there was definitely more of a clear starting 11. I think, you know, there are a couple of question marks over a couple of different positions. My, I guess, concern, if I had any concerns about this team, would be the, the back line. I think, you know, we're well stocked um, offensively. I think midfield, we've got plenty of options. I just think, you know, that that sort of rock solid partnership of, of Williamson and Bright was such an asset last summer. And then, you know, you've got Rachel Daly as well. I mean, Serena might be might be having us all on by giving Rachel Daly the number nine shirt. She might whack her at left back and put Alessi Russo up front. Um, who knows? I mean, I can't see that happening. Um, but yeah, I think it will be, will be interesting. I think as as Jack said, I think um, you know Denmark are probably going to be England's toughest opponents in in this group. Um, you know, they're a side with a lot of quality, a lot of. WSL players and I obviously watch a lot of Everton women being based on Merseyside and they have a massive Danish contingent there and um, likes of Katrine Vibe, Reese Vecchi and um, Nico Sorensen you know they've got some real quality players in that side so I'm excited to watch them and see what they can produce and I certainly think they will probably be the the most um the most difficult test but then you've got China who are the reigning Asian champions as well and um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting group stage. And I think three very different types of opponents, which is great. And and that's the best thing about tournament football, isn't it? Is you get the chance to to test yourself up against a lot of a lot of quality teams. So um it will be exciting to see um, you know, the, the teams that Serena picks in this group stage. Talking of other teams, uh tomorrow's other games are USA v Vietnam, Zambia v Japan, and as the England's other group opponents, Denmark and China. I think that USA game, Carrie, are you looking forward to watching that? They have that that trio of youngsters that we're all talking about. Um, are you excited? Are we expecting another USA tournament win? I mean, it's always difficult to look past the USA, isn't it, when you go to a World Cup? But obviously they're without Mallory Swanson, um, but they do have brilliant players coming in. And yeah, I'm excited to watch them. Um, we always know that the USA are going to give 100% no matter who the opponents. We saw that uh, last time around at the last World Cup and they're not going to stop if they start running up a cricket score. So I think it's an opportunity just to possibly the Pebble first gold fest of the tournament tomorrow. So I'm going to be cruel and ask you all to give me England's score prediction. You, you all know I'm going to do it. <laughs> so Beth, we'll start with you. I'm going to go 2-0, 2-0 to England. I think it will be, I don't think it will be a goal fest. I think it might be a little bit of a, of a slog, but I do think that they will have enough to, to get over the line. So yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 England. 3-1 England. I'm going to give a very specific prediction of 4-0 England with both Rachel Daly and Alessia Russo scoring, making the decision even harder. Okay. Um, I was going to go for 3-0 to England with Russo, um, Russo getting the last goal. Um Carrie, for our viewers and listeners, can you tell us where to find you and your books, please? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Carrie Sparkle, on Instagram at Carrie Sparkle123, but not on TikTok because I'm much too old for the likes of that. Um, 
You can buy my most recent book, Unsuitable for Females, The Rise of the Lionesses and Women's Football in England in all good bookstores now. And my new book, The Reign of the Lionesses, How European Glory Changed Women's Football in England, is out next month. That sounds great. Again, you can find us at R for Reach Women's Football on all your social media sites. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Beck. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you again soon. Bye.